Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Welcome. Glad you're with us. I'm Galen Jones, and you're listening to Hacks for Life. I'm with Scott Rahi, and we're having a discussion about the um, reliability, the historical reliability of the Bible. So we're going to pick up from a previous conversation. So, Scott, just uh, get us going. Yeah, and we sort of ended – I mean, I don't, we don't really have cliffhangers in, in any of this. But we started off by sort of building the – you know, here's what the liberal scholars say. Here's what the unbelievers will say. Here's the things that they'll claim about the Bible. And you know, we, we expressed some thoughts about why they might do that. But, you know, I'm sure if anybody wants – if somebody has somebody come up and say, well, you can't rely on the Bible for these reasons, it'd be nice to be able to respond and say, well, you know, yeah, you can for these reasons. So the first thing I want to talk about is these ancient documents. There's a lot of books that are based on ancient documents you know, the writings of Plato, the writings of Aristotle, all these different things. And um, the question is, I mean, people look at the writings of Plato and you don't have a lot of a lot of controversy this is well plato didn't say this and this verse here you know this piece of it here you can't can't trust there are questions scholars don't know but um you just it's not in the news it's not a big deal so the question that i've got is why is it that these other um these other authors these other ancient texts are generally accepted whereas the bible's not and you know, right. we, we yeah kind we of kind of touched that. on that yeah. yeah yeah so how does the bible stack up well let's let's talk about several of these different ancient documents and when i'm talking about this what i mean is what or what i'm specifically referring to is we actually have physical copies today ancient copies of these original texts yeah, like plenty you mentioned plenty yeah, plenty and, the younger yeah. and and all these different ones and these are um not the originals just like with the bible but they're old they're quite old and they were written at some point after the original was written and they're still considered largely authoritative, largely correct. So let's do let's compare this. The writings of Caesar, um, written somewhere between 100 to 44 BC. That's 44 years before Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the earliest copy that we have of his writings uh, is 900 AD. That's about a thousand years after he wrote them. And there are ten copies that we actually have. Nobody really questions his writings right they would just say hey after a thousand are, years yeah. this the, is still the, reliable is, they would just say hey this is accurate and this is and what he wrote this is what he wrote and there's only 10 no copies question. out there and it's a thousand years after it that's eh, mostly true yeah okay. <laughs> um the writings of plato yeah. plato wrote roughly between 427 and 347 bc the earliest copies we have are around 900 a.d it's going to be about 1,200 years after he wrote, and I think we have seven copies of his dialogues. Same thing. Yeah, this is what this is what Plato said. Yeah. There's not anybody sitting around going, we have no earthly idea if there ever even was a Plato or any of that stuff. We have no idea. You know, there's none of that that goes on. You know, you don't go into the bookstore and, you know, the the, the Plato myth or any of that. It's just none yeah. of that in yeah, there. Yeah, you don't have a – you know, there's books out – you know the the quest for the historical Jesus and and stuff like do you, do we have a literature out there the quest for the historical 
Plato? I think that's probably not out there. I, have, <laughs> I personally have never seen that. Yeah, I, I have never. You know, it, and it raises a, a great question. Is yeah. you know, and where, I think where we're going is that what, what, you know, what is it about Jesus that makes yeah. this? You know, the attacks are all aimed at him. Nobody else. Yeah. So let, let me just speed up just a little bit. I'll give you just a, a you know thumbnails of these things. Uh, the works of Tacitus. Um, he wrote about 100 A.D. The earliest copies we have are 1100 A.D. A thousand year gap. We got 20 copies. Um, Pliny the Younger wrote between 61 and 113 A.D. The earliest copy we have is 850 A.D. About a 750 year gap. There's seven copies of. Those. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm chuckling because I know I, I mean I know how many copies we have of the New Testament. Yeah, we're getting and, there, and and, and <laughs> how many there. you know how in, in different regions and yeah I don't want to I don't want yeah. to I think steal I think yeah, the thunder, get, but it's a nice I, that's thing why I'm to, laughing yeah, it's because fun. it's just it's funny because we have only these yep. uh, you know the percentage is way out of uh, uh, way out of whack. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there was a Greek author named Thucydides who wrote about the Peloponnesian War. Um, he wrote between 460 and 400 BC. Earliest copies we have are from 900 AD. The thing that's interesting is all of a sudden we start finding things about 900 and 11, 1000 and 1100 AD. It's just I don't know what happened. Maybe we just found a big cache of them, but they're all around that time. Now, what about just to, um, and if you may not be able to answer this, uh, Josephus, because mm-hmm. he was you know major historian. What what are the um, Copies. I mean, I, I would have to look that up. I don't. It's not. He's not on my list. Yeah, um, I, but I bet there's not like they were just making all these copies of no, the works. I'm of sure Joseph that's Jesus. true. I'm sure that's true. I, I do not have uh, him on my uh, list, yeah. but I, I'll see if before we do. You know, you know, maybe in a future have podcast, a, in a, in I'll, a I'll revisit. It's can, a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the early, the considered one of the first history books is Herodotus, um, who wrote a book called The Histories, um, 480 to 425 BC. Our earliest copy is from 900 A.D. It's a gap of 1,300 years, and we've got eight copies of it. So, I mean, this is pretty standard. The writings of Aristotle, 384 to 322 B.C., earliest copy we have is 1,100 A.D. It's a 1,400-year gap, and we've only got five copies of it. So you don't hear anybody walking around saying, well, we don't know what what Aristotle said. You go to the bookstore today, and you can buy the things that he wrote, his ethics and and different things you can you know you can buy them and there's nothing in there i mean there may be a in a forward it may say quite a bit of distance or whatever but you're not going to find you know a load of podcasts and a load of people that are building a uh, you know here's why we can't trust what aristotle said yeah. it's just not out there so let's compare that with um with the bible what and i'm gonna there's you know wikipedia has <laughs> has good things and bad things about it but there are some good. There is some good information in there. And what I did is I went to. There's an article in here. Uh, let me get to the very top here. It's called the List of New Testament Papyri. The New Testament was written on papyrus mm-hmm. um, early on, and what has happened over the years that you know I think you know talk about divine guidance and that sort of thing. I think it's it's a very interesting fact that the, these ancient documents that make up the New Testament were written basically in a desert climate, very dry, and these ancient documents are not just going to rot away. They're going to stay around. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the hand of God in that. And do we have copies that at least stand up to the 900-year gap, 1,000-year gap, mm-hmm. that sort of thing? So let's go through. I, there's a... 
I'm not going to go through all of these, but I see something, you know, Matthew was thought to be written somewhere in the 50s and 60s. We've got a document, um, a, a, a papyrus. Now, when you from, say that, the, the, you're talking about the original document. The original autograph been, was written yeah, in the 50s or 50s 60s. 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a copy of of chunks of it from around 200 A.D. That's that's about less than 200 years. Compare that to 1,000 years. Um, you can do, matter of fact, there's a thing called the Chester Beatty Papyrus, and it's actually highlighted, I think, in pink on here. And if you look, it's um, it's it's on here. Is you're you're talking about on Wikipedia. the on the Wikipedia site that I'm flipping through, and you got big chunks of Matthew, most of Mark, most of Luke, most of John, most of Acts, uh, big chunks of Romans, uh, Hebrews, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians. Uh, more uh, chunks from you know the, these books, Ephesians, and even um, even Revelation, and this is roughly two hundred to three hundred in some cases, two hundred to two twenty-five. Now, the thing that's interesting about this, so you know, two hundred is is the beginning of the third century, and um, people that challenge the Bible immediately, what I've heard many times, they'll say, "Well, the Catholic Church invented." The story of Jesus. They invented the mm-hmm. whole Christian story. Yeah. The Catholic Church didn't even begin to exist until about 325 A.D. when Constantine nationalized Christianity. Right. Yep. And so the question that I always ask them, and they never like it, is can you point me to the time machine that Constantine had? And they, what do you mean? <laughs> well, if he's alive around 325, he wasn't alive at 200. He's not that old. So he had to figure out some way to move these documents back in the timeline to well before he was born, because we have physical copies of these that predate the Catholic Church. The one that is the most interesting is something called the Ryland Papyrus, and it's a small fragment of the Gospel of John. It's written on both sides. It's just a few verses, but it's dated somewhere around 120 A.D. John, The Gospel of John was thought to be written somewhere in like around 80 to 90 yeah. A.D., yeah. so we're talking 50 years at most. Yeah. Now, you compare that to Aristotle. A thousand years, Plato. A thousand years, Herodotus. Eight hundred something years. What all of these different ones? And there's just this vast gap. And then you compare that to the actual physical documents that we have. We're talking 150 years, yeah. and that's for the whole most of the New Testament. And some are earlier. This Ryland Papyrus is earlier than that. And then I haven't looked at this. Haven't haven't done an update on this, but. Um, there was a question at one point whether some of the Qumran fragments that make up the Dead Sea Scrolls contained portions of the Gospel of Mark. And if that's the case, they would be even earlier. But I don't, I don't know if that was ever validated, but that was something that you know, I heard that, you know, the, quest, the, the point is, if the standard for these secular documents is, hey, after 900 years, you can trust what the original author said, and we can say, you know, this writing of Aristotle that we're selling in, in Barnes and Noble is what are, what largely what Aristotle wrote. Maybe there's a word or two that's different, or mostly the same. Why can't we apply the same standard to the Bible? Whenever we've got, like by a factor of five, um, <laughs> significantly closer to the actual dating of the documents that were written, and, you know, in a culture that the entire culture, I mean, they had a professional class of people called scribes whose entire profession was accurately copying um, these documents. And I know um, I know I've mentioned this before, but it's a good time to mention it again. P- 
previously, back when around the 1600s, when the King James Version was was uh, translated, the copies that they had of the Old Testament were roughly from 1000 AD. And so at least a thousand years after the the Old Testament documents were written, it's more than that, but at least a thousand. And if you're using this standard that says this vast amount of time leads to significant changes in the documents, so you can't rely on what was originally said because it's so much time has passed, then you would think that after a thousand years, the copy that we had, which was used to translate the King James Version, would also not be reliable. But then in the 1940s, uh, a shepherd boy threw a rock into a cave and broke a piece of pottery and they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls contain every Old Testament book except for Esther, and they're dated from before the time of Jesus. So sometime, you know, sometime B.C. Mm -hmm. So suddenly we can look a thousand years earlier than the previous copies that we used to translate. We can go back an, an entire millennium. And what should we find? We should find vast differences, right? Because yeah. all this time has yeah. passed. Yeah. What we found is that the, these the ancient documents about a thousand years earlier are virtually identical to what they had a thousand years later. And the reason for that is people take the copying of the Bible Really seriously. Very seriously, yeah. They don't. Yep. They don't just do it, and and they're having a conversation with their friend, and they don't know. They don't care. You know, they spend their lives getting this right, and they did that. And so, you know, just the fact that if it was a thousand years later, it would still, I think, be accurate. But it's not. We've got stuff from around 200 A.D., which is less than two centuries later, and this is the stuff that we have in our hands today. Yeah, and that's what we question, rather than quest- questioning. Caesars and yeah, nobody walks uh, um, around and says, "Well, I don't think Caesar wrote that." Was there really a Julius Caesar? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that sort of a thing. So the next question becomes, um, well, before I before I go, go, well, no, let me do this other, and now I don't. I want to return to what I said about James White previously. Okay, and I think that was in the previous podcast. Um, the next question becomes, you know, I mentioned whenever I was going through the list, you know, these. Like there were, there was twenty copies of, uh, or sorry, ten copies of Caesar's writings, and seven copies of Plato's writings, and uh, Thucydides. There's eight, and Suetonius. There's eight, and Herodotus. There's eight. How many copies of the New Testament, <laughs> the ancient copies of the New Testament, are out there? You know this, so you go ahead and answer it. I mean, you've well, there's thousands. There's there's over fifty seven hundred copies. Yeah, yeah. And, and, just, and the interesting thing too is. They're in different regions. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's not like they're all in all in one. That's right. One area. That's you know, right. They didn't all come out of, for example, Jerusalem. I mean, right. they're in all the the you know area of Galatia, and then there's you know yep. so forth. And the reason that that's important, so the the regionalization of it is also really important because it allows you to compare the regions and say this region all had the same sort of textual variants. These other two regions didn't. We know that this is the original because this one has a difference. The rest of them all agree. And so we can get back to what was originally written by mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Um, and it, that gets back to what James White said. And it's just I, I, when I heard it, I went, you know, it's really interesting. He said if the, if the autographs existed, then whoever had their hands on the autographs, like let's say, for instance, that the Catholic Church had the actual autographs, they would have them stored away. They could claim that they said anything that they want. It's, they've got them. They own them. And if you're relying on those original documents, then you know how do you know that they haven't been altered? How do you know that you know it? 
but what we've got is the originals are gone so no one can claim ownership of those and we've got all these copies that have been done in a way that allows you to do just this vast comparison against all of these copies and say huh that is because the way that the way they do the analysis of these copies they can come away with here's what was the original wording here's what they because you know all the you know they talk the about agreement is what agreement yeah, yeah. <clears throat> at the very beginning of the first, last podcast i talked about how you know bart ehrman said there's copies and copies and copies and copies i want to read another quote from him um that, that speaks to this because this one this one can scare people if they don't you know you know how would you answer this yeah. if you don't know um, and this, I don't actually know which book it's from, but I'm quoting from a book by Craig Blomberg uh, called Can, Can We Still Believe the Bible? It's a really good book. And on page 16 of his book, he does, has a quote um, by Bart Ehrman. And here's what Ehrman says. He said, scholars differ significantly in their estimates. Some say there are 200,000 variants known. Some say 300,000. Some say 400,000 or more. We do not know for sure because despite impressive developments in computer technology, no one has yet been able to count them all. Perhaps, as I indicated earlier, it is simply it is best simply to leave the matter in comparative terms. There are more variations among our manuscripts than there are words in the New Testament. That's actually true, but then you have to understand how they count these variants. The reason we have so many is because we have so many copies of the Bible. Right. <laughs> um, if we only had the one copy, there would be no, there'd be no textual variants. Right. We've got one copy. Yeah. But the way they do these counts is they will look, and we've got 5,700 copies, and if they find one that has the wording different, it could be just a spelling error. And most of these things are spelling errors. They'll look and they'll say, hey, this is spelled differently, and it, the other you know, 5,699 copies, they don't have it, so what do they do? They all of a sudden say, well, that's 5,700 variants. They don't say it's one variant, it's 5,700 because they don't all agree. Right. And so these numbers just grow rapidly. And saying 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, it sounds horrible. It's like, how do you know? But then you have to understand how the scholars sort of make these decisions. And so when when James White says... We don't have the originals, but we can do these comparisons. This is what he's talking about. You can look and say, look, all these copies, every one of them has the same wording, but this one is different. Okay, we can be pretty sure that this is the the actual wording, and it's not this one that was miscopied, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, to me, it's an encouraging thing um, whenever I hear that. I want to move on. We'll have to probably do this in the next podcast, because okay. I want to do... I want to talk about um, scholars have these sort of internal tools to look at the texts. So if we can say, here are the way, you know, yeah, I, I want to talk about, they're called criteria of authenticity. And I want to spend some time talking about the the way that I would approach a text and I would say, well, how do I know that is probably an, an authentic statement in there as opposed to somebody just making something up and there are some ways that that scholars do that Mm -hmm. and then we'll so we'll dip into that and then we'll come back out of that and i want to spend some time going into a little bit more of this idea of you know what are these variants how many you know what percentages of them are are viable and meaningful and that sort of thing and um 
so we'll you know we'll kind of do those that in, in a two pronged approach, and we'll start that with the next podcast. Okay, that's good. I um, th- this is just really an interesting topic, and it and it can be you know for the casual reader uh, or, or just in a conversation, uh, it can be very um, confusing because yeah. you know the individuals can you can make statements like you've already presented mm-hmm. um, that when you hear those at, at the surface level, you go, well. Gosh, there's there's no way that this is this can be. It's this hopeless. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's um, it it really more um, authenticating uh, yep. than we think. I think. Yep. So anyway, yep. look forward to the next conversation. I will be here. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit, Christ centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972 243 4673. That's 972 243 4673. For questions and comments, email Galen at jamesgroupministries.net. That's G A L O N at jamesgroupministries.net. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.